message is part of the preaching ministry of Berlin Baptist Church in Sally, South Carolina. We pray God's richest blessings for you as you study His Word. Before I uh, begin with our message today, you can go ahead and be finding your place in Galatians chapter 5. I just wanted to review one line out of one of the songs we've sung today. Uh, the song the choir just sang is such a classic, wonderful song because of the message it contains. Uh, it's a translation of an action into words. And what I mean by that is, when you look at the cross of Calvary, you understand what that action is saying. And that's the, the words of that song, I love you. That's what Calvary said. And it, those, those words, those letters were written in red because of the blood of Christ. And so, it just kind of put me in mind before we begin our study of Scripture today. We sang a song a moment ago called When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. And that is a, a, another classic hymn. It was written by a man named Isaac Watts uh, several hundred years ago. But the very last verse of that song, after the, the first three verses kind of rehearse what, what you see when you look at the cross... And you understand the sacrifice that Jesus made. And then you get to the fourth verse, and li just listen to these words again. And, I, and I'm going to read one word as the original text, because the hymnal has changed one particular word. I want to just uh, go back to the original. Verse 4 says, Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. So, so just so we understand what, what we just sang. If I owned everything, that wouldn't be enough. Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were an offering far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. And, and what he's referring to is what he has just observed by surveying the wondrous cross of Christ. Love that amazing, love that divine, that uncommon demands everything. And as we, we sang those words, and it's possible to sing something and not really take note, not really fully digest what came out of your mouth. You're singing it because the music's playing and, you know, you're, we're supposed to be singing. And, but if you don't take note of the words, you might miss what you just said. And so that verse uh, speaks so clearly to today's passage of Scripture in Galatians 5. And I, uh, I titled the message today, Dance with the One Who Brought You. Now, 
I did that and I used correct grammar, but that's not how I heard that, that phrase growing up. It sounded more like, dance with the one who brung you. Right, that's how I heard it, but of course, you know, that's make correct grammar. So let me tell you what that made me think of before we read this text. When I was in college, I was at Clemson and I was in a fraternity and we would have these formal um, banquets every semester. Usually, well, one in the, at the end of the fall, one at the end of the spring. And so my senior year at Clemson, we had a formal banquet in uh, Charlotte, and it was the end of my last semester at Clemson, and uh, I didn't have a date that semester, so, you know, a couple of other guys in the fraternity we didn't, who didn't have dates, we just all went stag, you know, no big deal. But the funniest thing happened when we got to the actual formal, about halfway through the evening, I ended up dancing with the girl that one of my other brothers had brought with him. And so I kind of like, I didn't steal his date technically, but uh, anyway, he had gone to the bathroom, and so she was there by herself, so, you know, I just like, okay, well, that's my opportunity. So, um, so anyway, he comes back, and I'm out there with her. And <laughs> so the look on his face when he came back in, he was like, I mean, I thought we were friends. I thought, what's, you know, uh, so it was, it was a priceless moment. Uh, it didn't end real well for, uh, for him. But uh, anyway, um, I, it wasn't my intention to do that, but it just kind of opportunity presented itself. Uh, and so I was dancing with his date. So it made me think of that situation all those years ago. And uh, here's the principle behind that title. You dance with the one who brought you. So when someone asks you to go to an event, uh, there's a, a certain amount of uh, respect and, and honor, right? In that you, you don't use someone inviting you to an event just to get to the event, and then when you get there, you just, all right, see you later. I'm, I'm here now. I don't, you know, thanks for getting me here. But, you know, that's not how you do it. That's not polite, right? You dance with the one who brought you. Right? That's just common courtesy. Well, in the case of this scripture today, we have to remember how it is we came to Christ to begin with. What got us to where we are? Did we get to Jesus because we're really awesome and we did a bunch of good things and we, have, we would abide by the law and so that's how we got to be in a relationship with Jesus? No. No, not at all. The only way we got to where we are, if we are in a right relationship with God, we got there by the grace of God in Christ and His sacrifice on a cross for our sins. Faith in Christ is how we are rightly related to God, how we are saved. Faith in Jesus. So, in an odd sort of way, we should dance with the one who brought us we shouldn't come to Jesus and be brought into right relationship to, to God by the grace of God in Christ and His sacrifice. And then once we get there, well, all right, 
I don't need you anymore. I'm, I made it into the club. I'm, I'm good. No, that's not how that works. We stay with Jesus. We stay with Jesus. And we stay with His way of doing things. So, all that to say, we're going to turn our attention to God's Word this morning. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, and we'll go to the end of chapter 5. In what will show us a clear contrast between these two different ways of life. Here's what the Bible says, beginning in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you wish or that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit... You are not under the law. Now, the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us not become boastful, challenging one another or envying one another. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that You will take this Word that I've read, that we've heard, that You will open our minds, open our hearts, help us understand, and then as we ask you every week help us obey help us obey your word that you might be glorified in Jesus name amen this message today as Paul has built on this argument week after week after week it almost seems seems repetitive but today there's some things that are going to come into specific view that really demonstrate what the Christian life looks like. So the first thing that Paul shows us today in the text, beginning in verse 16, is we should avoid the works of the flesh. Avoid the works of the flesh. Now when you see verse 16, Paul uses this term a lot. And it has a synonym. So when you see Paul say in Scripture, walk this way. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling you've been, to which you've been called. Walk by the Spirit. This is a, a command for sure, but it's a, it's a synonym for the word live. So when you see walk by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. Okay, So we should understand it that way. We need to live by the Spirit. And that will help us avoid works of the flesh. So living by the Spirit is going to prevent us from accomplishing or performing the lust of the flesh. Now, the lust of the flesh is a bad thing. 
For example, when we turn back to Genesis chapter 3 and you see um, what caused the human race to plunge into darkness and sin, let me just go there real quickly so I won't mislead anybody. Genesis 3 is the beginning of the end. Because up, in, up until that point, Genesis 1 and 2, you read about creation and you read about how everything's good and all things are, are wonderful, there's right relationship, there's harmony. And then you get to, to chapter 3 and the serpent shows up and tempts Eve and shows her this fruit and says, oh, this, wouldn't this be nice? This is what's going to happen if you eat this. You're going to be... Uh, opened up to this whole new world of knowledge and everything's going to be great. And, you know, a typical example of sin uh, over-promising and under-delivering and then telling you all these things that are not really going to be true and not telling you about the consequences. That's, that's how sin works. But when you look at that story, particularly in Genesis 3, verse 6, if you want to take a note, Genesis 3, 6, it says, when the woman saw the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and it was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. So there was some attractiveness. The lust of the flesh. That was, oh, that looks good. That's going to make me smart. So, and that's going to be good food. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some of that. Well, the funny thing is, John would write later on in the New Testament in 1 John chapter 2. He would write about those exact same things. And he would tell the church, do not love the world or the things in the world. This is 1 John 2.15. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is passing away. It's passing away. It's not from the Father, it's from the world. So when you read the beginning of the Bible and you read near the end of the Bible, the, the testimony is the same. The, the lust of the flesh leads to death. And so Paul here in Galatians is showing us, hey, if you live by the Spirit then you won't accomplish or you won't um, perform the lust of the flesh. It's a desire for what is forbidden, for what's not good for us. And the Bible tells us that the flesh and the Spirit are completely opposed to one another. Completely opposed. They are polar opposites that are at war. If you don't believe me, you could write this down and go back and look at Romans chapter 7 where Paul, the same guy who was inspired to write this letter, he's having an argument with himself. Rome, I'll just read you a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 14. Paul is talking about the conflict of his two natures, and he says, like in verse 15, what I'm doing, I don't understand. I'm not practicing the things I want to do, but I'm doing the very things I hate. And if I do the things I don't want to do, I'm agreeing with the law that the law is good. So now it's not I the one who does it, but the sin that's in me. And then he says in verse 18, I know nothing good dwells in me in my flesh. For I have a desire, but I don't have the doing of the good. The good I want, I don't do. And I practice the very evil that I don't want. 
So he's having this argument within himself that says, I know what's right. I know what's good. I just can't make myself do it. I don't want to do wrong, but I end up doing wrong. And so, anybody ever identify with that? Just in daily life? How often do we do something wrong? Not because we didn't know it was wrong. We just didn't have the willpower or the strength within us to to do the right thing. It was too tempting to do the wrong thing. That's a constant struggle. Paul, I mean, he wrote Romans in the first century. So how, that's almost 2,000 years. That's, that's how long this has been going on here. This struggle, and even before Paul. So he even says, he goes on in chapter 8 of Romans, in verse uh, 6, he says, The mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. The mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. And it doesn't subject itself to the law of God, for it's not even able to do so. So there's a constant struggle between the life in the flesh and the life by the Spirit. It's a very big challenge. But Paul says in Galatians 5 that to be led by the Spirit is to be free from the law. And then he does the most interesting thing. He gives us a lot of examples. What does it look like if we're doing the wrong thing? If we're going down the wrong path, if we're living by our flesh and not by the Spirit, and and the Bible clearly says we're to avoid the works of the flesh, well, what are we looking at exactly? What are we trying to avoid? Well, look at the list. Sexual immorality, impurity or uncleanness, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of rage, disputes, divisions. And then he says her- factions, heresies is the literal term there. Heresies, which is uh, different groups coming up from false teaching. So conflict. And then envy and drunkenness. And then he uses this word carousing, which is like excessive feasting or drinking parties that just go on and on and on. And then he says, and things like these. So this is not an exhaustive list. It's all this stuff and stuff like that. That's not what the Christian life is supposed to look like. right? That's not what we're supposed to be doing. And so Paul warns the church and reminds them. He's already warned them before. But then look what he says in verse 21 at the very end. I'm warning you. People who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now we need to pause right there for just a second. Those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. What's that mean exactly? Well, here's what it means. Are you sitting out there thinking, well, you know, I hadn't always been a Christian. I hadn't always tried to live... For Jesus, and, and I've done some wrong things in my life. And uh, I look at that list, and man, I've done some of that. And it says right there, does that mean I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God? What, 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 am, what am I looking at here? Paul says, the Bible says, those who practice such things. It's a very specific word. Practice. What does that remind you of? Sports, maybe? You go to practice, right? It's not all games. You go to practice. Why do you go to practice? 
so you can work on the fundamentals and get better at the right you want to get better at the sport well so understand in, in this sense those who practice such things it's as if they're trying to get better and better at sin practicing such things speaks to a, an unrepentant lifestyle not man I, I messed up God please forgive me I, I know that's not what, what you want for me that's not my goal that's not what I want to do and, but I, I sinned and I'm, and I'm sorry please forgive me that's repentance that's conviction of sin by the Holy Spirit that's a desire to do what's right that's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about practicing those things. Unrepentant lifestyle, not just individual sins. So he lays out this list. This is what a life lived by the flesh looks like. If you're living in that lifestyle, not repenting of your sins, those people like that that do those things as a lifestyle will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know why? Is it because they do those things? No. Not ultimately. It's because if your lifestyle is doing those things, that demonstrates that you don't know Jesus. Everybody sins. Please, under, please hear what I'm saying. I want you to hear this clearly. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody sins. But not... Everybody makes it their lifestyle to sin without repentance. Okay? Those who have been saved by the blood of Jesus doesn't mean you never sin anymore, but it means you have a, a holy heartbreak for sin. It's called conviction because the Holy Spirit lives in you, and every time we do things that are contrary to God's Word, the Holy Spirit wakes up inside of us and says, wait a second, that is not what God wants for you. And you call it a guilty conscience or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's the Holy Spirit giving you conviction, saying that is not what Jesus wants for you. So that, That's the difference here. The, the lack of inheritance comes from a lack of salvation because ultimately that's the deciding factor. Does that make sense? When we know Jesus and Jesus knows us, He implants within us a different set of desires and gives us the Holy Spirit to lead us into those desires. Okay? Gives us the tools we need to fight against the works of the flesh. So, number one, avoid the works of the flesh. Number two, and lastly... Walk by the Spirit of God. And what, what did we say just a moment ago? What does that word walk really mean? Live. Live. So walk by the Spirit of God or live by the Spirit of God. So when we get to verse 22, this is the, the popular, well-known, often quoted, often memorized, often sung in the song as a, as a child. Uh, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. And then there's a list. This is a, a great contrast between all that list of the works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit. But I want to point something out here before we get too far into this last portion. Notice that when the list is given for the flesh, verse 19, the deeds, 
plural, or works, plural, of the flesh. And then you get to verse 22, but the fruit, singular, of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Now, now why would that matter? The works of the flesh, plural. The fruit of the Spirit, singular. Here, here's why. This is not a list that's like a buffet. Well, look at those, those good attributes there. Fruit of the Spirit. So, let me see which one I want in my life. Let me see which one. I might take a couple of them, you know, because they're, they're all good. So, I'll take that one. I'll take a little bit of, little bit of joy. Take a little bit of peace. And I probably ought to get an extra help in the patience because Lord knows I don't have any of that. Let me get some of that. Uh, how about some self-control? Yeah, that looks good. No. It's singular because the Christian life is supposed to have all those. All those things. All of them. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things, all of them, that should be coming out of the Christian life. Now, I know what you might be thinking. Well, alright, well, I'm a little bit short on that patience and a little bit short on that self-control. So what does that mean? It just means you're still being sanctified. It still means God's working on you. The Holy Spirit, you know, honestly, let, let's just be honest. God's got a big job <laughs> to work on me, right? He's got a big job ahead of him. Right? He's been working on me for a while. He's still got more work to do, right? Because I'm lacking in a lot of areas. Does that mean I'm not saved? Well, of course not. It just means in some areas I'm more cooperative with the Holy Spirit than I am in other areas, right? So... I can look at that list and say, do I have some of those, of all of those, do I have some of them in my life? Yeah, I do. Some more than others. So, so then what does that mean for me? What do I need to be doing? Well, I need to look at that list and I need to say, okay, God, I, I see what you're, what you're wanting to do in my life and I can, if, I, you know, if I'm honest, I can see where I fall short. So maybe I need to pray, Lord, help me in those areas. Because I, uh, I feel like you're working pretty good in, in, in these other areas, but I'm struggling in, in some of those still, so maybe I need extra help. Maybe I need to go to a remedial class in, a, in some of those, right? I need extra help. I need to go to that optional help session that's offered, right? I need some extra patience. I need some extra self-control, you know? And I know many of you will probably be able to identify with that type of feeling. The point of it is this. There is a clear difference between living life for yourself and living life for Jesus. It's a clear difference. And by the way, it should be clear to other people. That's called a credible witness when our actions and our lifestyle starts to give more credibility to what we say we believe. We can all give the Sunday school answer to a question. We can all know what's right in our mind. That doesn't mean we're doing what's right. 
Right? So the more we uh, follow Christ, the more we walk by the Spirit of God and cooperate with the Spirit's work in our lives and in our hearts, the more we will continue to look like Jesus more and more. It's not a finished work. That's why in Philippians 1, Paul would say, I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, right? Not, it's done. No, it's, it's in process. He, he's going to complete it. But it's going to take some time. And, and the Bible says very clearly, there's no law against living like Jesus. Those are good things, right? It's good to live uh, like Jesus. Verse 18 reminds us that, that it says that uh, if, you let, if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law because there's no law against doing good things. But I want you to look, like, I want you to look very carefully at this verse 24 right here near the end. Verse 24 says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you know what that means? Among other things? If you belong to Christ, your flesh and its desires were nailed to a cross 2,000 years ago. If you belong to Jesus, He didn't just die to forgive your sin. He died to transform your life. He died to make you into a new person. To take away the heart of stone and and give you a heart of flesh. To to make you into the image of Himself. That's called sanctification. John Owen, who was a great Puritan theologian, he lived in the 1600s, he very famously said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. And let me just tell you, it's a challenge. That shouldn't be any kind of real news. It's a challenge to live for Jesus. It's a challenge to kill sin in your life. To put it to death to live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, avoid the works of the flesh. That's a challenge. And it's difficult. But, to circle back to the title of the message today, verse 25 says, If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Now, given what I said earlier, that seems kind of odd, right? If we live by the Spirit, let us live by the Spirit. Because I said walk is a synonym for live, right? Okay? Well, think about this. If we live by the Spirit, in other words, if we have been made alive by the Spirit, if we have been saved by the Spirit, if we are being sanctified by the Spirit, then we should live daily by the Spirit. In other words, we should dance with the one who brought us. We've been given new life by the Holy Spirit of God through the blood of Christ. We also need the Holy Spirit of God to be transformed into a Christ-like person. 
So we need to stick with the Spirit. We should live our lives by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit leaves no room for arrogance, no room for bragging. So that, that's kind of what verse 26 is talking about. We shouldn't envy each other. We shouldn't challenge each other. We shouldn't look at each other and say, well, they're doing a lot better at this whole Christian thing than I am. Why am I struggling so bad? Why am I having such a hard time? I wish I was more like them. No. That's a common pitfall. But you know, no one should ever look at another Christian and say, I wish I was more like them. You know what we all ought to do? We ought to look at Jesus and say, I wish I was more like Him. That, that's, that's what we're all striving for. I want to be more like Jesus. See, the, the big conflict here in Galatians has been legalism, works of the law versus life by faith in Christ. Legalism says, you need to be more like me. Grace says, we need to be more like Jesus. Jesus is our role model. Not another person. We're all sinners. We're all equally in need of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Yes, if you're saved, yes, we're saints. Technically, we're saints. We belong to Jesus. We're in His family. But we're still in need of grace. We're still... Um, affected by sin. And I'll just say this in closing. Living the life of a Christian is a daily struggle. It's a daily struggle. If you don't believe that, you hadn't read the Bible, or maybe you're not really living the Christian life, but trying to live for Jesus is a challenge even with the Holy Spirit indwelling us. And if you try to live the Christian life apart from the aid and help and influence of the Spirit of God, it's impossible. We can't follow Christ if we don't possess the Spirit of God. In fact, if we don't possess the Spirit of God, we don't belong to Jesus. Right? That's a deposit. It's like earnest money guaranteeing our inheritance. So when we're saved by Jesus, that means we have been given the Holy Spirit. So let me... Let me Say it another way. We have to surrender to Jesus in order to be saved. We have to be saved in order to have the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit if we're going to have a fighting chance of living daily for the glory of God. It, it, it's a building block. Right? It starts with salvation. Walking by the Spirit enables the follower of Christ to display the fruit of the Spirit. So why is this such a big deal? If we walk by the Spirit, we show the fruit of the Spirit, we point people to Jesus. And that's ultimately what we're supposed to be doing, right? Pointing other people to Jesus. It's not so we can be complimented, and it's not so we can have this great reputation. That may happen... But if it does, what's our response? It's all, it's all because of Jesus. And, and incidentally, it's always all because of Jesus. So we should make it our goal 
not to fight against the work of the Spirit in our lives, but to cooperate so we can point people to Jesus because we show this fruit of the Spirit. Let me pray. Thank you for listening to this message from God's Word. For more information on Berlin Baptist Church, we invite you to explore our website at www.berlinchurchsc.org.